What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Meg Becker on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Meg, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Awesome. Well, uh, hey, Life After Miscarriage family. My name is Meg. Um, I'm actually from Southwest Ohio um, area, and my husband and I's story started about, well, it'll be two years in December, so about a year and a half ago. Um, We got married um, in July. Um, and we're really excited to, to jump into married life, start a family. Um, we both come from agriculture and, and have uh, siblings, so that was kind of always part of the plan. Um, but, you know, as I think back a little bit and reflect, I had always been slightly nervous um, to that part. My mom had endometriosis really bad, and so uh, she had my brother and I, but it was, you know, just kind of high-risk pregnancies and they really, they were told when they had me, that might be the, you know, only baby and then Pierce came along. So um, I kind of had that background and somewhat fear in the back of my head, but I had always been pretty, I mean, from um, a cycle standpoint, decently normal, had had a few symptoms, um, but but nothing like what my mom had grown up with. So, um, but still, right, fear in the back of back of your mind. And so we started really right after we got married, just kind of not exactly timing and, and, and trying, but just open to it, right? Like if it would happen. Um, and so it was a few months in and my, my period had actually been a little bit longer lately. Um, so I had been kind of monitoring that, right? And somewhat hopeful, um, but it was just, it was taking a couple more days for some reason that year. Um, and so, but it was about, I'd say November time, I realized that I was a whole week, I think, or eight days. Um, late, but I had also been sick. So I had this horrible back pain. Um, I ended up working from home that whole week, which I usually go in a couple days. So that was just really abnormal. Um, But I thought then I'm like, well, I'd went to the doctor, I had had a yearly checkup for our insurance um, goals there. And she had where she had hit me (laughs) in the back of my back, and I had went pretty good. And I've got high pain tolerance. Um, She's like, I really think we need to do some sort of you know, x-ray, CAT scan, something, just double check that, you know, there's not an infection up somewhere or something I'm not seeing. So we had done a pregnancy test earlier in the week, right, because they had wanted to um, expose me to radiation, and that was negative. Um, So we went ahead with it. Um, And so that was just in the back of my mind. That was kind of the week. It was a crazy week. I hadn't felt good, but I woke up Sunday morning, and I was like, you know, still not here. I still feel really odd. I think I was, if I remember right, kind of feeling some of that, uh, maybe like breath sensitivity, just different things. And I'm like, you know, it could be my period or it could not. So let's test. Um, and to my surprise, it, it pulled up positive. And I was, I was the only one up at this point on a Sunday morning. Um, and I just remember like, oh my gosh, like, you know, that feeling of, and there was both fear and excitement and I can't believe this they just tested me earlier this week like my brain had already kind of started swimming with with some of that detail and it wasn't too far after that Brock got up and he obviously like first place you go right in the morning is the bathroom and I remember him walking in and he like looked at me because he could tell I was in the middle of something and I'm like you just probably need to go get a cup of coffee because or sit down <laughs> before we talk um and he's and so then proceeded to tell him and just like both of us and he's like really because it was you know negative and so we we kind of had our moment and then I had somewhat of a fearful moment because I looked at him and I'm like man now I'm really concerned because I've been to the doctor this week they've done this test like is there really I mean is this really right because actually what what they had shown actually that week they thought I had a ruptured ovarian cyst and a kidney stone which would explain right mass amount of pain in the in my back so I'm like man something just doesn't seem quite right so I had actually went in the our OB our family doctor and our local hospital are all connected in the same system so 
Brock just looked at me and he's like, your records are already, you know, at the doctor's office. Why don't you just go into Wilson? If you feel, cause I was just like, I don't know. I feel like I need another opinion. I don't know. I, that was just, that was my reaction. And he's like, just go in and double check. And so I actually went in by myself and then a little bit later, Brock is not a huge hospital guy. So a little bit later, I got this text of, Hey, I'm on my way in, which I, I really appreciated. And like we had our moment when the doctor came in and they did pull up an ultrasound. Um, I did test positive at the hospital and um, what, what they were thinking was that um, it was just so early. You could see the sack, but you know, no baby at this point, no heartbeat, right? Because it had to be so early between having a negative test like five or six days ago. So, um, but for us, we were like, okay, like this all seems and the doctors really thought it seemed very normal. I had just ovulated way late probably and we had caught it way early and and this is what what was happening um so we went home and I remember I called my parents because I had I wanted to stop on the way home um and get some I don't know something at Walmart I don't know what if the doctor had suggested something I don't remember if I was feeling nauseous but I had to get something at Walmart and they happened to be in town and I had told my mom as I was coming in, right, what was going on, her and I are really close, and so they both met me at Walmart, <laughs> because I, I just joke, it was like I had this bubble around me, right, all of a sudden, they were, well, we'll come in and help you, and it, it, it was kind of just this little family moment, um, and I just, yeah, it was, it was just so cool, there was also a gal who I was really close with at work, they had just announced they were pregnant a few weeks before, like, it just, there was a lot of really fun stuff with this timing, and honestly, a lot of relief for me that we could get pregnant. Um, and just maybe, you know, this, the difficulty of it wouldn't be a part of our journey. Um, and I, I have severe allergies too, and just like asthma, some other health conditions. So like, it was also kind of this moment of oh, my body's doing what it should be doing, right? Like there was, there was just a lot of emotion for me there, which, and that'll kind of come out, I guess, throughout the story. But not used to having maybe all that emotion all the time um, before this experience. And so um, did the typical thing called the OB, right? Got the appointment set up for, I think it was going to be around eight or nine weeks, somewhere in there. Um, and they had told us, I had called too, because I was on a lot of antihistamines. So what was safe? What wasn't? We were kind of working through um, some of those, some of those things. And they had told me, right, if you're intimate sometimes that that We'll, we'll cause some spotting. I mean, they had went through all of that stuff, but we happened, it was sometime in between and probably like six, seven weeks time frame. Um, we had decided to be intimate and I did have, that's when my spotting started. And I, I remember just that like huge feeling of panic um, and looking at Brock like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And this was all, I guess I should back up a little bit too. We had just gotten through Thanksgiving so like we had done the whole, um, like not tell anybody yet, right? It's so early. I was really adamant that I wanted to see an ultrasound with a heartbeat um, and then do maybe some fun stuff. We had told our parents um, and siblings, but we were, we were not going to tell anybody else until a little bit later. And, and it was getting into that fun holiday season too, right? Where we could have done some kind of cool uh, little family announcement. So um, but we just got through, uh, like, kind of sneaking it in, right, and Thanksgiving, and, and so nobody kind of knows, um, but I was walking around with a big water bottle because they had told me I needed to drink a lot of water to stay hydrated, so I think some of my family members were wondering about that, um, but we had just gotten through that, and then insert kind of this moment of, of spotting starting. Um, I also travel for work, so I had a work trip planned the following week, and that was, it was the day before that trip where we were uh, supposed to have our first ultrasound, um, or second ultrasound, I guess, but first one where we should have been able to see a heartbeat. Um, and, uh, so I just, huge, huge feeling of panic at this point, because there was a lot of, I mean, just lots of panic, and I, Brock was so good throughout this whole thing, but that's, I mean, he's like, Meg, they told us, right, like, there can be some spotting, like, I also had a friend who, there's been a couple heroes in my story from a friend's perspective. Um, one of them also had went through um, a miscarriage not that long before what we would end up 
happening to us. Um, and so I knew if I called her that she would be able to give me some background and just maybe some peace, right? And, was, and she had explained, she's like, oh, if it's just spotting, you know, I've had that too. And that was way different than, you know, and she had a natural miscarriage, what I experienced with that. And just, it's okay. But she also gave me the name of the doctor at our practice that she really recommended if for some reason I could get connected with her, I should be. Um, and so I just, I sat there, the more I sat there, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. So our doctor has, right, the 24-7, somebody on call, and it just so happened to be that doctor that Jenna had recommended. Um, and so I talked with Dr. Huber, and she had told me kind of same thing, like, this sounds normal, but just watch it. If it continues tomorrow, let me know. Um, and so it did continue into tomorrow. I don't remember, uh, well, I mean, details wise, I think there were a few little like clots, but it wasn't anything like big or bad period or so it still wasn't, I mean, to like the dramatic point of, I know I'm miscarrying. Um, this still could be very normal. This is my first pregnancy. I really don't know how my body's going to react. Um, and so, but when it continued the next day, I did call her and she was kind enough. She's like, let's just get you in before you're, and I think I had told her I had a work trip too. So I think she was just trying to be kind, right. To figure out what was, what was going on. Um, and she's like, why don't you come in? We do not have any, um, appointments in OB to do the ultrasound. Um, and I believe it was the next day. So it would have been, she would have said tomorrow, but we can get you down to radiology and then they'll send it up to us. Um, and she had told me could go in basically. I mean, she didn't say if it looked good, but that's, that's what it would end up to if it was normal, right? They'd probably send me home and she would call me later. And if there were some other questions they'd have, we'd probably have to stay there. And so I, from a luck luck out standpoint Brock was already off of work um like I said we live in Ohio we live on a farm he's a avid hunter and it was deer week so they were already chasing Bambi um but I had said hey I need to go in for this and he's like all right I won't I won't join the guys today I'll go in with you um and we'll do this together and so very nervous I mean very like I even talking about it right now some of those emotions are coming back just tightness and check um, going in there and uh, I just remember just talking with Brock about what if what if and and he just was so very calming and if it's bad we will deal with it and we'll deal with it together right it, it, we can't we can't worry about it right this second we don't know what's going on and it could be nothing um, and so we go in and we go into radiology um, and they take us back, and I'm I'm not a doctor, right? I'm not a I'm not even a medical professional, but you knew when the screen went up, I was supposed to be, I think eight. Well, yeah, because well, seven weeks, I think. And so they were pretty certain by this point you would have heard a heartbeat or at least seen seen a baby on the screen. And so I could pretty much tell from what angle, which is you guys have experienced this, you know, it's kind of an odd angle to be laying there. <laughs> Um, looking at the screen, but I was pretty certain that all I could see was an empty sack, and I just kept looking at Brock for like him to, I don't know, see something different than me, the the nurse who, so when I'd run in the original time to the ER, when we found out we were pregnant, I, uh, um, that whoever helped us or the technician was probably angel on earth, like just super kind, super sweet, personable, uh, when we went in for this one, unfortunately, didn't have the same experience. And so she was like, I can't really tell you what's going on. I'm just going to keep looking over here. And I just knew, like, you just know, if you've been through this, your heart starts falling to your stomach, you know, something's wrong. Um, and I just, it took everything in me. And that, again, where the emotions come in, I am really, it, well, now more so, but up until this point, not like if I cried, I cried you know, when I was home by myself, or um, just, I, I felt like I could compartmentalize, I think, much better, which, and I, I think that might be one of my recommendations or things I've learned. I don't know if that was always healthy either, but that, that was where I was at before this experience, and after, like, seeing her face and Brock's face, I just knew, and I, I didn't break down there, but I just 
felt so sad and I could just feel it coming and the buildup. And so we get done with the ultrasound and she's like, I, I will send this back up to your OB's office and we're gonna ask you to wait in the waiting room. Um, and we'll, she, somebody should be down either to get you or to talk to you. Um, and we go to sit and I, I, my hands start trembling. I remember that, I remember, trying to hold back tears because I just knew and here they had put us in this waiting room right with other people it was radiology so I mean there was people coming in for all sorts of things not just OB related stuff um, and Brock and I I knew what we were both doing and you know for a little while we didn't really talk we just held hands um, but we were on our phone so I knew, like I was looking at ultrasound pictures right trying to you know was this real like and that's what she's like, I've looked to, um, but there was a point there, we waited in that waiting room almost two hours. And I, first off, I mean, if you went through this, you know, two hours trying to sit there and keep it together when you've just, you haven't been told yet, but you know, it's the worst news that you could possibly ever hear. Um, it, that was torture. And I, took everything in me for, I mean, tears were coming out, but I wasn't, I wasn't engulfed in them, but it took everything in me not to become engulfed in them. Um, and finally, and it was close to that too, but I heard, and I, I have been in there since, like with my mom for some other things. And I don't know if the receptionist remembers me or not, but if I ever had the opportunity to hug this woman, I would because all of a sudden I look over and I could see her like she had looked at me and her and I had made eye contact at one point through this two hours and uh, all of a sudden the walls are paper thin right so I just hear her on the phone and I'm assuming and well yeah now what would have been to the OB's office somebody needs to come down here and see her you cannot keep her waiting this is ridiculous this is causing a lot of pain. It was something along those lines, total mama bear conversation. And I will forever, because she didn't know me from Adam, um, be thankful for that because there was just no more that I could sit there in public and not know what was going on. Um, and so it was pretty quick after that conversation that somebody had come down um, and said, hey, Dr. Huber is going to call you. Um, go ahead and go home. And so we went home and I, we climbed in, we had driven in the old farm truck because Brock had drove um, instead of my Jeep and it has a um, single cab in it. And I just remember totally not safe, right? But laying my head in his lap and losing it all the way home. I mean, all the way home. And, uh, and him who he's gonna get really embarrassed because he is, uh, he's a closet sweetheart, um, but just he was, so very kind and I remember he put his hand on my hair and just said we don't know exactly what's going on it will and even if we do it'll all be okay um and we get home and I I my personality and and my coworkers would laugh too I think I mean like responsibility is super high on my strength finders I'm a task like if I say I'm going to do it person it's going to get done um, so even if I'm having somewhat of a rough day or if, like I'm sick, I have a tough time turning the computer off. And most of the time it takes my coworkers to say, Meg, shut it down. You got to, you know, start feeling better. That was in this experience. I have never felt more shut down in a short amount of time because I just, I opened up the door. Um, my mother-in-law happened to be at our house. She helps us clean. Um, and I knew she was there, but I know I didn't talk to her. I'm sure I saw her, but I don't, I don't remember seeing her. And I just headed straight to the bedroom and I just curled up in a ball and under the covers. And I know Brock had talked to her kind of like what was going on. Um, and eventually he came in and for most of the afternoon, that's where I was at. And I have never felt more helpless and more just defeated. I don't know. It was a very odd experience because I just there was there was no more there was I mean I didn't feel responsible for anything or telling like my coworkers I wasn't going to be on the rest of the afternoon like nothing it was such a numbing feeling and uh luckily like I said Brock was home because if I had to do this all by myself I don't I don't know how I could have done it and um 
later that day, we did get a call from, from Dr. Huber. Um, and she had said, hey, we, to be honest, we still don't 100% know what's going on, but I'm going to walk you through what potentially it could be and what we're going to do. Um, and I give her a ton of credit. She's, she was a very personable doctor. Because again, I know some people haven't had that experience. And I don't know how I would have went through it without somebody like her. Just very kind, very, um, she wanted to explain, but she didn't want to over concern. Um, and she had said, Meg, there's still a possibility that we don't have the timing right on this. She's like the whole pregnancy test thing when you went in with the, you know, regular doctor and the pain and when you got a positive, it's still kind of fishy. Like it, it just is so close together. Um, but so it could be, we really are still de dealing with, um, a very early pregnancy. Um, she's like, so that's, that's possibly number one. She said possibility number two. Um, oh, and I'm not, uh, when the pregnancy doesn't implant in the uterus, uh, I can't think of what that would be. Um, chemical, uh, not Is a that? chemical, um, like it, it would implant in a fallopian tube or something. Oh, ectopic. Um, yes. And so that's what she said. The second one is it could be ectopic, which I had never heard before. Um, and she's like, so it could mean, you know, that we need to take a look, but that could be why you're experiencing a positive preg pregnancy test, but we're only seeing um, what we're basically nothing besides the sac on the ultrasound. Um, she said, or you could be experiencing a miscarriage. And so that started kind of the typical, we're going to bring you in every couple of days, right, for blood work, see where your HCG levels are at, um, and, and go from there. And so um, part of this, and, I, and I'll give kudos to the team I work on at the time, um, and, and now even, I, uh, I was going through my head on, by this point, it took me all day, but finally, probably like five, six o'clock at night, I kind of pulled myself together. Um, enough to think, okay, we we don't know what's going on. I know I've got all this testing, right, that has to happen this week. Um, should I, how do I talk about this? Do I talk about this? And finally, our team has always been super close. Um, and, uh, you know, just lots of also faithful people in that group. And so it, it was never uncommon to get a text like, hey, pray for me on this today. Um, so I decided to call my boss and I just said, Josh, cause I had told him I had an appointment, but I hadn't said right what it was or anything. And I'm like, Hey, I, I'm really bad at lying. You guys know I'm really bad at lying. So I'm just going to tell you what, what's going on and what I learned today. And so I, I talked through the whole thing with him. Um, and basically like, I don't know what my schedule is going to be this week. I, and again, responsibility, right? So there was probably a ton of projects. There always is. Uh, we're supposed to be moving, and I'm trying to figure out how to keep them moving. And I mean, Josh was like, Meg, we'll figure it out. It's fine. Um, and you, you tell me as much as you want to tell me or as little as you want to tell me, but know that we are here. And so, like, I look back at moments when I didn't realize how thankful, like, you got to find the good in this situation. Those were one, right? Because that gave me time to deal personally. Um, with what was going on and know that I had my team's backing and after talking to Josh I felt comfortable enough individually letting my close teammates know um, but after after a couple days um, we did learn that it was um, it was a blighted ovum um, so my body had been tricking itself right for a little while at this point because my levels were still going up and I don't remember I knew they weren't like ridiculously high but they weren't super low either and they had a pretty steady incline and um so and i had asked her i'm like what yeah, i mean we had we went back in and we did another ultrasound and that's when you know we couldn't find where there would have been an ectopic pregnancy um which was and I, I guess i'm remembering some other details that probably was the biggest biggest fear of mine was that because i couldn't i mean as much as the rest of our story was heartbreak i couldn't imagine basically having to pick an option of, of watching our baby, you know, die, because that was the only option that would have been for an ectopic pregnancy. Um, and I, God bless Brock, because there was a moment in that week, there was moments where I was really good, right, where talking with Josh just felt very strong, very, okay, we're going to get through this. And then there were moments where I just felt like the world was crumbling underneath my feet. Um, 
And the one night, I think maybe it was the night before we had figured out it was a blighted ozone and it went in. I, uh, Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but we are sponsored by My Vitro. After three miscarriages and two rounds of IVF, Danielle Hall started My Vitro to help other women struggling with infertility. Frustrated with the options available to store her expensive fertility medications, she created the Fertility Caddy to organize all of the needles, vials, injectable pens, and supplies that are necessary for a treatment cycle. Feel prepared and ready to take control when that giant box of drugs shows up on your doorstep. Use code LAM, L-A-M, for 10% off of your order at myvitro.com. And as always, thank you for supporting the sponsors who are supporting our show. Now let's get back to it. I had talked with my mom a little bit on some things, and I had to make some decisions um, for for my faith background um, on maybe if this was an ectopic pregnancy, what we wanted to do. Um, and so mom, and she had done it caringly and kindly, like, and if you went through this, you know, how you react to things sometimes is just, it's just all emotion. And so she had asked me a couple of things about, well, have you talked to so-and-so or have you looked this up? And I just lost it. And I mean, lost it like tears and crying and rage. And I was like, mom, this, and it was kind of late at night like 9 30 or something and I'm like why are you asking me this right now and I if you don't think I've already thought about all this and I I mean I just had my moment and I got like I had to get off the phone I got to the point of Brock happened to come in the door right about that time I couldn't even talk I mean I was totally engulfed in this just emotional episode and just and it's like what's going on and I think I could get out I was on the phone with my mom and and you know explaining like these are you know doctors you like these are the three things we'd have to pick between and I and I just I think I crumpled honestly I think Brock I mean I don't think I've not passed out or anything but I think my knees literally caved because I just or I fell into him is what I kind of remember and I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed and I I don't know if I've ever sobbed like that and just he I I owe him so much because like in looking back I mean I was at a point where I couldn't contain right the emotion anymore in this journey I couldn't I I just couldn't I couldn't do anything on my own and I just remember he looked at me because I was pretty much ready for bed at this point he's like okay I'm gonna put you in bed and we have a tv in our room he's like let's start a movie and like I need to go take a shower but let's get you in bed before I start I'm going to put in the movie I'm going to give you the remote but before you start the movie you need to call and tell your mom that you love her because he knew he knew in my heart of hearts that it was I wasn't mad at my mom at all right it was she was the easiest target who was going to love me at the end of the day once I got through this um and he has no idea how much I think that memory like sometimes comes back when I am upset or mad about something because you want to talk about like somebody to pick your life with right who's gonna help you through these things that's what I needed I needed a best friend to tell me and kind of not reality check but it's all going to be okay and the important part is you love your mom um and so we got through that we got to Dr. Huber's they did the ultrasound again it was a blighted ovum um, and that was the first time I had heard anything about a blighted ovum, but really, I mean, it was a really early miscarriage, right? Where my body was still tricking itself into thinking everything was fine. Um, and so she had talked to me about our options. Um, and she was really helpful with whatever direction we wanted, wanted to go. If I wanted to try to miscarry naturally, she would help me do it, but she did have concerns that my body wouldn't miscarry um, on its own. And so we went home that day because I had said, you know what, I want some time to think about it. Um, that was, that appointment was really emotional. I remember like, I think we, I got dressed right after the ultrasound and then we saw Dr. Huber. Um, and I, like, I think I had backed myself against the door and had had my moment of tears, right? Cause I just knew it didn't look any different. Um, and so 
we went through that, kind of calmed myself down, decided to take the day. Um, and uh, all I, she, she, and she had asked me, she's like, if you want, so we can double, triple check. Cause what I was really concerned about was, I mean, it's this, it had appeared it was a blighted ovum, especially from the days that we had tested, but just in case it was a really early pregnancy, right? That still wasn't making sense. I just wanted to be 100% sure. So we ended up doing one more ultrasound. Um, and that's when actually that ultrasound and the blood work, my HCG levels had started to recede. And so I was, Dr. Huber was overly confident and I was very convinced at this point that it was in fact a blighted ovum. So we had actually talked about, she had thought she could get me in the week after my work trip um, for a DNC, because I had decided, I had kind of gotten myself together and processed through the, the crying that I had never done before over the couple weeks. And I'm like, you know, I, uh, I, I think if I can just, we can, you know, get this over with essentially like I'll be back to normal like I remember like I'll be able to get through this I think was my thought um and so I had told her like let's go ahead we'll schedule I am in you know Nashville the following that coming week but we'll make it all work um and I did have some anxiety because if I would have passed it naturally I mean there were some people who were going on that work trip who I was close enough they knew what was going on because I'm like guys if they happen to be ladies but ladies if this were to happen or something like I need you to know because I'm going to need somebody to probably get me to an ER right or whatever I don't know I don't know what I'm going to experience but I'm going to need somebody to know in case I need help um and so luckily Dr. Huber had actually called me back that week I don't know if something canceled or what the shift was I, I had a national sales meeting we were in the middle of at our office um but she had said hey I've cleared my schedule it, it would have been the surgery on a Thursday so this was probably like Tuesday or Wednesday um do you think you can make Thursday work you would be off obviously Thursday Friday um but should be fine to travel the following week um so again my boss was awesome we'd actually just got done with my mid-year review um in which him and I talked about this experience a little bit um, and so I just went back and I said, Hey, I got this phone call, but it's in the middle of the dairy national sales meeting. And he was like, Meg, I told you before, right? Schedule it. Don't worry about the sales meeting. We'll take care of it. Um, and, and that's what we did. Uh, Brock took off work. He, he took me to the hospital. Um, it, it wasn't, and again, trying to find and had a little time to reflect over this experience. Cause it's been a journey for a year and a half, like some really beautiful things. I had a wonderful nurse um, who, and somebody throughout this experience, I'm Catholic, so St. Gerard, Saint of um, Expecting Moms, had given me, and so I had brought that in that day for the surgery because I needed <laughs> some extra strength, because to me, this was almost like a funeral, right? I mean, it was it was a sad day, um, and I she happened to, I believe, also be Catholic, or she knew who St. Gerard was, and so her name was Mary and she was just the kindest person. And I, again, if I had to deal with people who were going to treat me like a robot through this, I don't, I think, I, I don't think I would have handled it very well, to be very honest. Um, so, I mean, God knew, right. He put the, the right people because I needed the Marys of the world um, to help me through it. And so at least like getting prepped for the surgery, doing all that, um, we, I had that experience with her, Brock was there. Um, and I remember um, I woke up from the surgery um, and actually, and like even the next day, I felt really good. Um, I felt like I had bounced back really quick. There wasn't a lot of heavy bleeding, um, enough that you know a pad would be fine. Um, and I remember not wanting to exactly be in the house the next day, but obviously you can't do a ton, right? Like you can't lift or, um, so I think like we have uh, St. Bernard's who are outside and so I remember like I was hanging out maybe at our shop with Brock and the dogs for a little bit and he was like hey why don't we I know you can't do a lot but you know we could take a little road trip he wanted to go to some store about 45 minutes away you know get some lunch if you're feeling up to it so I remember we did stuff like that um, and I needed that I couldn't sit anymore because throughout this process especially that week of not like knowing what was going on, it was kind of like go on bed rest or don't do a ton. 
and I couldn't sit at the house anymore. Um, so we, we went through that. I actually felt really good afterward. I mean, like, and I felt like I'd come to terms with what happened. Again, kind of short-sightedness, compartmentalize, you know, understand it, get through it, move on type setup. Um, the next the next year and a half <laughs> has been a journey um, because the surgery went great. Like Dr. Huber had told me this is a one in four thing, right? Um, it's this would, I mean, nothing I'm seeing and what we're testing looks like there's something seriously abnormal. Um, and so they had given me the parameters of, you know, don't try for, I forget if it was a month or two cycles somewhere in there. Um, before trying to get pregnant again to allow your body to heal and all that stuff. But we, since the miscarriage, which would have been December of 2018, um, I have not gotten a, another uh, positive pregnancy test. Um, and so part of that was, I mean, I think part of it was my emotional journey with this because there were months that we tried, there were months that we didn't, right? Like I just couldn't I had bought an Ava bracelet, so I'd started tracking a little bit. I felt like that was better than me trying to um, take my temperature in the mornings and track it all. Like it was a bit off my mind, but it really wasn't either. And so there was a point in that where I was just like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I can't, this is engulfing everything. Um, and I am so heartbroken um, and I can't, I can't track anything right now. Um, and I think that was the other, like, I just remember, um, I'm a liter literary fan, always been a bookworm, um, and somewhat romantic at heart. And I like, you know, the feeling of heartbreak, you know, we talk about it, it's romanticized, whatever. I always thought it was a figure of speech until having gone through this, because there were so many days where I can't describe the physical pain that that this whole process brought, I mean, it was just a deep sadness and a deep loss that I, like even when we lost my um, maternal grandmother to um, pancreatic cancer and it was like a six week process and it was out of the blue. And I remember thinking that was just such a heartbreak. And, and this experience with the miscarriage was, it, it was, it was even bigger than that. And I, the pain, and I just remember being like, they weren't kidding, right? Like when somebody decided the term broken heart, it, it, there is a physical pain that comes with this and just a longing. Um, and that was a lot of my year and a half journey. And it was up and down, like there were days where I was completely fine <laughs> and I felt very at peace with it. Um, I have you know, really leaned on my faith a lot with it. Um, and there were a lot of days I was good and there were a lot of days where I was upset and brokenhearted and then I would get frustrated I don't and I don't know if other people have had that experience but like why can't I just come to terms with this um again because I was apparently good at compartmentalizing um parts of my life and I couldn't compartmentalize this and and along with that group of friends who just help me. There was one of my particular friends, not in a miscarriage standpoint, but she has dealt with a lot of loss in, in her short amount of time of years. And I just remember calling her and I, I had my, and I was just telling her how mad, like I wasn't myself because I just couldn't get it together. You know, I was still sad about this. And she's like, Meg, <laughs> you might never be the same and that's okay. And you've got to come to terms with that. Like you have to be okay that this has changed you and it might not be all for the bad. I mean, she's like, obviously you didn't want to go through this, but you've got to come to terms with how you're feeling right now is normal instead of punishing yourself for feeling that way. And I, I needed that directness and I needed that bluntness because like I, I look back now, if anybody, and, and I've had a couple friends now go through it, like if, if somebody would have came to me and told me all the same things that I was telling others or how I was feeling and the guilt and just everything bottled up, and I would have said the same thing Christine did, or I would have said, give yourself some grace to, to understand this, to love yourself through this, right, to 
and and to pray about it and for some reason I couldn't until somebody was that direct with me I couldn't give myself that grace and I probably because I'm my biggest critic right and I for some reason couldn't and couldn't do it until somebody blatantly looked at me and said it and and I think that was that was kind of a game changer throughout this healing process for me. Um, there was also a couple other things. Like I said I, my faith was a big part of this. So I had went to, they had a special mass uh, for people who had lost a child, whether it was miscarriage or stillborn, um, or I believe like, you know, young infancy age. And I happened to be talking to the priest in confession afterwards and just kind of explaining some of these feelings of guilt, right? And anger and I know I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, and he had looked, or not looked, it was, we were in front of the screen, but he had said back to me, he was like, do you think God can't take it? And and I remember he was, he's a younger kind of, uh, I joke, sassier priest um, who I, I needed that. Um, and I just remember thinking, cause he, and he went on to tell a story about how he was really frustrated with something going on in the parish. Um, he's like, I yelled at the tabernacle. I yelled at it and I'm a priest, right? Like, and he's like, God gets it. God gets the stuff that's heavy and, and you've got to be okay with bringing that to him in whatever way, right? That's not destructive. That's not, but just that, like, if you're feeling angry, tell him you're feeling angry about it. Um, and so that kind of, that was a part of my journey. Um, the other part that I started doing, I did, um, there was somebody at, um, local who was doing coaching sessions. Um, and so I did go through a couple of those. She had had experiences with infertility and miscarriage. Um, and so I did talk with her a few times, which were super good. Um, and again, something that I wouldn't have, I would have recommended like for somebody else to do, but never thought that that would have been in my, um, in my wheelhouse. Um, but my friend Christine, who was direct with me had really, she's like, it's okay. To go talk about some of that stuff so I did um, that was really good I'm glad I did that and then part of that journey was was growing deeper in my faith um, and then also doing things that um, maybe like that I could do that I've always wanted to do that um, I don't know why I hadn't done them yet type thing and so uh, like at one point through this journey, I bought a horse again. I'd grown up with one, um, hadn't had one for eight years, decided that, you know, now would be an okay time. I did that and, you know, working with livestock, I grew up on a small hobby farm. Um, that part, I could just feel myself kind of coming back, right, to who, who I remember me being before this experience. Um, and then I, this past fall in November, we scheduled my mom and I, and then one of my best friends from high school who had lived over in Ireland for a year, we scheduled a, a couple week trip over there. Um, and it was my grandma who had passed away. Um, she'd always wanted to go. Her family was from there. And that was her one regret before she passed away is that she never made it. So mom and I had talked about, you know, at some point we wanted to do this and it just kind of fell into our lap that there was a blessed is she women's conference over there we could do for a couple of days and then we could travel around calling with comfortable driving so we could we could go see the country and not everybody has that opportunity right and I don't think travel it it for everybody would have been as medicinal as it was for me um but that was I mean I, I did a lot of traveling in college study abroad and those things um that trip was when I got back I told mom that I feel the most like myself that I have in the past year. And I think it was, like I said, there was a spiritual aspect to me for it. We visited a lot of saints and really cool places that I did a lot of praying and a lot of deep thinking there. Um, but also just like that would have been Meg before the miscarriage, right? Like I, I would have rode horses. I would have traveled. Um, whereas maybe like the first six months, I just, I think I was just surviving, to be honest. I was getting through my work day. I was getting what, because again, didn't want to drop the ball, right? Getting what I need to get done, done. And then, eh, I mean, if I hung out at the house, right? Or just did, I, I was not on fire for, for where we were at. I was just really hopeful I was going to get a positive pregnancy test the next month. Um, and 
so far that hasn't been a part of our journey. Um, and there are months where that's really hard. Um, and I am working with Dr. Kieber on, they did do some blood work and we did figure out like I had some low estrogen, nothing crazy. Actually, a lot of it looks really good. So it, it wasn't like, uh, and my periods are really regular. So it wasn't like I had a lot of huge, big symptoms that weren't making sense, um, but just maybe we need to supplement with Fomid a little bit and a couple other things. So that's the journey we're on. We just got through um, month two, I guess, of Clomid where we are not expecting. And I think we'll probably do that for a couple more rounds and see where we're at. Um, but it's, I'm, it's really a journey, I guess, is what, you know, some things as I'm reflecting on this. And to be honest, the reason I'm even like, I, I had Shelly, I'd listened to your podcast now for a while, because I guess part of my healing process, those days where I couldn't figure it all out, you need your support group. And so I had a friend who hasn't went through this, but yeah, so lots of people making up the story, but, and all key points, one friend who is addicted to podcasts. Um, and so she just asked, she's like, I don't know of any, but have you looked for podcasts? you know, about this, because I know, you know, there's probably not a lot of support groups, right, in your area, um, and so that's how I stumbled upon life after miscarriage, and so I would go, and I would listen, because there's comfort there, right, I think that's what, hopefully today, if, if nothing else, listening to the story that you're not alone out there, um, in these experiences, but I then talked to that same friend a few months ago, and I was, I was telling her more about this experience with like having, you guys know, having a track, right, and you have to time the Clomid, right, and then you've got to time intercourse, right, and it just becomes very <sighs> tedious, right, it's not romantic, I, like, I'm from a livestock background, so, like, I joke that, like, yep, these months, like, it's, like, select sires, right, I <laughs> seem, I mean, it just, it's, to me, that part was just, so I was disenchanted <laughs> with that whole part of the process, and so, finally, I mean, Beth looked at me, and she's, like, uh, Meg, having a baby, this should be kind of fun. And she's like, I'm not saying perfect. I get, you know, right. Lots of stuff happen, but have you found any joy in this process? And I'm like, whoa, real talk, right? Like, no, I'm not. Cause right now I'm really, I'm at a frustrated point with it. And so one thing that, you know, I kind of took away, prayed on a little bit and thought about was, you know, one thing that, that could bring hopefully somebody else joy but also me joy and knowing it would help people is how can how can I take this experience and help others and so Shelly that's you know hitting the button for scheduling like today's call is that that's really how this all kind of came to be so I uh I think I'm becoming a better person right through this process or learning more about definitely growing deeper in my faith um but if for anybody listening I hope if you don't if you don't take away anything but this from today is it's a journey and you've got give yourself the grace that you deserve um, because you deserve it and find the people who are going to be your support group and I feel ridiculously lucky that I've had multiple from my husband to my friend group to my work group um, who not only get it but they they deeply care and so like the days where and I've had a couple of them over the past year like they were really tough weeks and I have vacation to burn and there's not a big hot heavy meeting. I email in and say, Hey, I, I need a, need a personal day today and everybody understands. And so I give yourself that grace if you have that opportunity um, because you deserve it and you deserve to be surrounded by people who care. There's been some, right. I think lots of stories on here about like maybe people not saying the exact right things or I do remember um, and it, I heard it third party, so it wasn't said to me, but it was said to somebody close to me about my experience. And it was kind of like, well, did they even hear heartbeat? Like, I mean, is she real? I mean, she's really this, like, did they, I mean, was it really kind of a pregnancy type thing? And, and I know that person, right? They didn't mean, if anything, I think they were trying to mitigate my pain, right? Or in their head, right? To, to minimize what that experience was. Um, but I got to tell you, that's not a person, right? I'm going to talk too deeply about this experience because until you've walked it, until you know that pain, even if even if you didn't hear a heartbeat or not, there, there's a moment where that pregnancy test shows up positive and you're a mom and your whole, at least for me, my whole perspective changed. I mean, changing up of allergy meds, right? Watching what I'm eating, doing. And so 
that's going to forever be with you and there's going to be pain when you lose that experience and so surround yourself by the people who who are going if they've never been through it they're at least going to understand what pain is right and and help you deal with it um and just be kind to yourself because i think that's where especially at the beginning for me i just really i don't i didn't give myself a break i really thought like get the dnc over and i'll be fine and we'll go back to normal and there's a new normal after any experience like this yes mic drop (laughs) (laughs) you crushed that i really appreciate you sharing and also just kind of sharing everything that worked for you because i feel like that's nuggets of advice that people can um, take into their own lives if they feel like that could work for them as well um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, is Instagram the best way or where could they do so? Yeah, absolutely. Instagram, um, make me lifestyle, um, is my handle on there. And then, uh, if anybody has Twitter, um, Ohio ad girl is my handle on there as well. Okay. Awesome. I will go ahead and I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for taking some time and jumping on and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. And like you said, you know, you want to help people kind of going through the same thing and that's exactly what this is and this is a step towards that so I just think that that's really cool of you and I appreciate it awesome thank you yes we'll chat soon thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories tag myself tag my guest so that we can personally thank you this is a lamb fam you guys we're not in this alone we're creating this ripple effect together Thank you.